Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 183. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, we'll talk about how Baron Zemo is fist-pumping his way into our heart in the third episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We have our regular issues, including the end to the King and Black storyline. Uh, Marvel is going to start releasing some big titles. We've got that old-school classic movie and TV news talk times. Clark's got something to watch out. And then we finish with a fun segment called The Trailer Park. Uh, Kalen. What do you got? I, I swear to God, when you wrote out the agenda, I, I thought you said Marvel is going to start releasing some big titties, and I couldn't oh. stop laughing. <laughs> Always. They are no, popping. No, no, no. They, they, they killed Scarlett Johansson. They already killed her, honestly. Woo! That's spicy. They're, they're Girl, why is that racy? That's just facts. I said spicy. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, they're Sorry, going Brent. full uh, total recall to release three big titties. All right, so uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, it looks like Zemo is out of the clink and into the blink as he brings Sam and Bucky on his private jet to dun 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 Madripoor. They're looking for the power broker when they run into their boring high school friend who later grew up to be kind of awesome, Sharon Carter. And she helps the gang find the doctor making super soldiers. All right, so kind of uh, general thoughts, but also... Um, you know, we haven't seen the power broker yet, and we've got a few candidates. Uh, Sharon Carter, you know, she could be one. Uh, some people have speculated that Thaddeus Ross um, would be one, possibly Baron Zemo from Inside Prison, but that's kind of stupid, or the power broker from the comics or some iteration thereof. Uh, who do you guys think the power broker is at this point, and what do you think of the episode, Ryan? Hey, I think for the most part, it's probably going to be someone new that we don't know. But if it's Sharon Carter, uh, Carter, that would be so fucking cool. If they repurposed like these Marvel characters that everyone like forgets about, that would be so fucking fun. And also, there's a couple things in there that seem very problematic, like rewatching the episode where you're like, she was just fighting people and basically doing like vagina crotch shots of like choking people, which was super fun. Like she fucking killed everyone on the outside for no goddamn reason. I loved it so much. But like, um, she, uh, but as soon as she walked in, the main villain was murdered. And that's always problematic when you do something. So it's it's kind of just interesting. I I I would be so on board for her. And they did leave in one little comment of like, oh, she's just the worst now. Like I think like Sam or someone said it. Yeah. Just like clearly she is a different character. And it's telling the fanboys to be like, hey, this is not what you expected from Sheriff Carter. Uh Kaylin, what do you think? I can't wait for the spin-off. Welcome back, Sharon Cotter. But um, I do think that Sharon is probably the most obvious choice. Um, I think she was the one, or uh, we're supposed to think that she shot, uh, uh, what was her name? The, the woman with the white hair. Like Sel Selby? No, Selby. No, Baron shot him. No, Baron. no, the, the, no, she was sniped from a, from a window. The, oh, okay. she, was sniped from a, yeah. she was sniped from a window. But I think there's another 
like dark horse candidate who could be uh, the power broker. And I think it might be the Red Skull because Baron Zemo actually mentioned the Red Skull when they were on the, the flight to Madripoor. Um, so I, I think that's potential. But to answer your other question, Brent, I thought the episode was a lot of fun. Uh, when As soon as Madripoor was mentioned, I like jumped off my couch. I was so happy. Um, yeah, the show is great. Isn't but Red Skull's currently on Vormir, isn't it? As the like spirit guide or whatever? Yes. Or you think like a, but, oh, it might be a new Red Skull? Notoriously, like there's been new Red Skulls, like Red Skull's daughter took it up. Like other people have done the mantle at some point. So th- there's a lot of possibilities. Maybe Sharon Carter's the new Red Skull. Who I was knows? just about to say, yeah, maybe she they're retconning that she's actually the daughter of Red Skull and yeah. somebody else together. Um, I was going to say I was going to say all the rumors besides Sharon Carter sound really stupid so I hope it is Sharon Carter Clark Uh, I mean yeah there'd have to be a lot of there's not enough real estate left to really get into Sharon Carter being the daughter of anybody let alone Red (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know I mean I, I absolutely loved Sharon Carter in this just because I like a villain. I mean, a hero that just suddenly is a complete fucking mess and just going around straight up murdering people is pretty hilarious, especially for a character that it was so weak before. Um, and she, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like her as I love the fact that you can just randomly be stealing Monet's and stuff and seemingly being like a decent human being <laughs> just seems kind of wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah. All this, all the stuff in museums is fake. This woman's just stealing a lot of shit, and she's mostly a good person. Uh, so I mean, uh, I don't know. Brian, it's uh, to Kaylin's point. Uh, Madripoor is featured, which is the first Fox thing that they were able to feature in the MCU, which is a huge thing because it's got so many ties to the X Men that it's it's so cool to fucking finally see it in the MCU. Sure, is it the setting of Godzilla versus uh, Kong? Yes. But like, <laughs> it, uh, but it, it's so cool. It's so fucking fun. Like, I can picture when they finally flesh out some of the, like, mutants or just the underworld in general for the MCU, like, just seeing them, like, stroll down the street, this same fucking streets, like, it almost gives me the vibes of, like, when you go back to Tatooine and you see other people, like, going down there and you're like, oh, that's where Luke walked or something like that. It's it's so cool to finally see this, like, this fictional land that they can never really use before. Kaylin. Yeah, I completely agree. I The only thing I will say this is like maybe a minor criticism of the episode is when they're finally at the princess bar um, and you, you know, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Sam is, is like the smiling tiger and he has to order the, what his like official drink is or his favorite drink is that whole scene. Like I've seen that better. Like I've seen it better in star Wars. I've seen it better in black Panther. And I was just felt like, it felt like, Oh, they could have done so much more with it. It just it felt a little flat to me. Adam. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. The show's definitely still kind of juggling with uh, the concept of feeling original while also kind of treading old ground. And I think the ground it treads is fine. Like, I don't find myself rolling my eyes during certain sequences. Uh, but I think, Clark, to your point, I really loved what they did in terms of recharacterizing Sharon Carter because that was completely unexpected and something that surprised me. 
And I really hope they keep up with it. I mean, either she's working for the power broker, she might be it, but like the show definitely has consistently had some fun surprises. And even from like some fun retcons to make the characters more real with some of their, like even bear, like Zemo actually being a Baron and being like, oh yeah, no, I was rich the whole time. It like feels weirdly natural and I really liked it. Uh, and I think it just adds a lot more to Zemo's value and character that we didn't obviously see during Civil War. Like he wasn't a throwaway, he was an emotional connectivity throughout the movie, but like uh, Daniel Brule, uh, David Brule or Daniel Brule, his like, Daniel Brule. yeah, his overall presence and the character itself was just a means to an end. And it's it was just like, the reason why I like this episode so much is that it's like a full playground of characters now. Like Bucky and Sam already have good chemistry. The four of them together have really good chemistry and it feels different. It's not dirty, dirty, it's not a dozen of them, but it's not like a Suicide Squad S type thing, but they do have a lot of fun new, new kind of um, paradigms. I don't know, like the new, they're just really fun interactions. Brent? So let's talk about that uh, Baron Zemo kind of retcon. They gave him a reason to be called a Baron, uh, but possibly retconned some of his prior history uh, because he explicitly states that he has been hunting super soldier creations for years and Hydra for years. Obviously, you could explain that with some, you know, something to do with his his uh, military team being a part of Scorpion. Uh, but did that does that kind of character change really bother you all? And the other major change that it showed us was that he is a fantastic dancer. Uh, as audience members loved his half a second of pumping <laughs> his fist. Uh, they people found out that uh, um, there's a lot more footage of it. So they started saying release the Zemo cut, which caused um, Marvel or Disney to release an hour's worth of footage <laughs> of Daniel Brew dancing uh, as Baron Zemo uh, in a club. Uh, so what do you think of this retcon stuff? Clark, real quick. And then Kayla. Um, uh, I do love the fact that both Marvel Comics fans and Marvel itself are just ridiculing DC um, and w, uh, <laughs> like, They're doing this just to be funny and yes. shitty. And it's great. <laughs> Kayla. So uh, before um, Falcon Winter Soldier started, I rewatched all the Captain America movies, specifically Winter Soldier and um, Civil War. And everything that's in civil war with with zemo uh to adam's point isn't contradictory to the zemo we see here we just see a certain point of view of him where he's just a man that's driven by what happened in sokovia to go and do what he's got to do to like basically get rid of superheroes uh having this kind of a little bit more like you know winking at the camera like a little like sassy you know baron zemo in, I think in a lesser show, I would have definitely gotten whiplash, but uh, I felt that they, they gave me just enough. I'm like, yeah, I'm rich. Just because I was on this mission of revenge, you know, and this last time you saw me doesn't mean that I don't have this fucking like, you know, kick ass car, this gorgeous coat. Oh, and this purple mask, too. <laughs> so it, 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 it totally worked for me. Adam? Yeah, no, I was, I was going to quickly say uh, he's almost like reverse Batman, Brent. We were talking about that. We were watching the episode that it's like he had a traumatic experience and now he just funneled a bunch of money. Because like you also had to be, I assume, somewhat rich to even operate in Civil War. Like they never really explained how the fuck he was able to get everything so well orchestrated. Uh, so I think it also lands a lot of, of heft to Civil War that it wasn't just some like every man with no real connections being able to just magically turn everybody against each other. And then I was just gonna quickly say too, it's been great. Cause like 
Sharon, Zemo, and even Bucky have this new opportunity with this show and Sam in some cases as well, because he's always been the kind of sidekick. So I, I just think it's paying dividends for all of them. Ryan? The, the, the only thing I want is uh, like all the new characterizations are good and fun and they, they develop the world itself. And also it's five years later, so anyone can be anyone basically. But with that all said, why is he so obsessed with the mask? Why did he basically ejaculate when he touched the mask the first time? Oh, he was so like, here's the thing. Oh. Like, why? The answer is because he needed to have a scene where they could switch into a stunt double for a little bit, and then he can take it back off right. five seconds later. So he was really excited. It was his stunt double who was actually oh. playing his, yes, they had a, a you know, a tele telepathic orgasm. Uh, Clark? I mean, this if if you're looking at the comics, this entirely makes sense. This is a familial mask. It's incredibly important to the last like what thirteen barons as I know well. That. It doesn't make sense in the MCU of him. Just you don't like, know. You don't know. You haven't. You haven't seen the last thirteen barons. You don't fucking. Or know. the last five years. Yeah. 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 Kaylin. <laughs> hey, on Homo Superior, we have three rules: uh, make more mutants, respect this land, and we shall not kink shame. We're not going to kink shame. <laughs> Oh, I'm into the mask. I want to make that yeah. clear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, lastly, um, the kind of big reveal for the show was Wakanda showing up at the end. Um, did you guys geek out? How did you feel? Where do you think that they might play a balance? I personally completely forgot that they had a vested interest in Zemo being in jail. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... You just saying that now made me realize that. I just thought they were coming back for Bucky, and I was like, fuck yeah, Wakanda, White Wolf. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> I was just geeking out over that. I didn't even think about what they would really be doing in the storyline, but that makes a lot of sense. It'll be interesting to see the tension, and I'm glad to see, because she's a returning actress, right? She's played, she's been in that role, I think, and I feel like in Civil War. No, that was like... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I'm just excited that they also use that same character, because it creates that nice continuity. Caleb? Adam, what are you talking about? Her last line before the credits roller, we're here for Zemo. I, I was too busy breaking off at how excited I was. I didn't really listen. <laughs> okay. What, is, what does she want? What does she want? <laughs> um, yeah, her motives are so confusing. Uh, and <laughs> should uh, Anthony Mackie uh, never figure out how to wear a turtleneck sweater? He took yeah, so right. long in that room to put the turtleneck sweater on. I'm like, this is great, but I really feel sorry for him. Turtleneck sweaters are hard to put on. <laughs> Think of somebody who wears a lot, who wore turtleneck sweaters for like a decade. Like during summer too, Clark. During that too. <laughs> Kalen. I think I would rather see Anthony Mackie wear nothing at all. Like the scene where he's shirtless. Oh, oh, just amazing. Howdy, howdy, howdy. But I like Chris Evans in that um, Knives Out where he wore that chunky turtleneck sweater. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was hot. That cable. Um, that cable so one thing, well, I was going to say, do you guys think about... that hot people just look really good in turtlenecks? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I think we solved the dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing we were talking about was issue. How... hot people's in turtlenecks. <laughs> turtlenecks. So <laughs> <laughs> the next at the end. Sorry, Clark. The, the flag smashers, like, so shifting so fast every single episode and now they just literally just blew up a bunch of folks 
Last issue, they're like, oh, they're helping the issue. Um, <laughs> last episode, they're like, you know, bringing poor people food and stuff. And now they're just like straight up murdering like 60 people. Kalen? Yeah, no, I think that adds to like that complexity we talked about last oh, yeah. week because they're not bad in the traditional sense. They're not good at all in the traditional sense. What they think they're, what they're doing is right, which is what makes the best villains. It's like, you know, those, they believe that they're the heroes in their own story. Adam? I, I, I oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was reading a, an article with, I don't, know, don't remember the name of the um, lead actress um, for the Flag Smashers. But anyways, Harley. she made it seem way too much like, they were in the right. And I was like, you just murdered 60 people. I'm sorry. I love that actors can get into their character and find reason for what they're doing, but you can't go back out into the real world and say they're doing this for a good reason. And I was like, no, I, I hate when an actor does that. No, I, I was going to agree with you, Clark, because I'm super interested to know what they're going to want the audience to take away from the Flag Smashers. Because I, I think like, and obviously we know the real world is gray, but again, this is like a fucking like Disney MCU show. So the majority of people watching it don't necessarily need just good, bad, but probably need some level of like, oh, this is how these people kind of operate. And even I love a nuanced character, but I agree that I'm like, I, I like that there's a frat. It seems like there's going to be a fracture among some of them because you could tell that her partner was very surprised by the experience, which I loved. But I also thought Carly was going to be the one that we emotionally resonated with. <laughs> like, like, what a complex villain. But instead I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, what are you doing, uh, Brent? Yeah, the point is that Disney wants to show they're pro-terrorists. All right, uh, Caitlin. <laughs> um, so sort of related to this, but um, the, remember the people she kills are part of the, the uh, what is it, the GRC? GRC? yeah. The GRC, so they're they're not technically civilians. And the, the last point I think I want to make is the, the beginning of this episode has that faux commercial, the faux yeah. PSA about how they're there to help you, you know, get reacclimated to this post-blip world. Clearly they've got like their own kind of like quasi-bureaucratic, quasi-sinister agenda going on. So uh, like, you know, that like anybody who has a commercial like that, whether they're a pharmaceutical company or, you know, whomever, like you're like, okay, I don't fucking trust you really. So does that um, to be murdered? I'm not saying you deserve to be murdered, but they weren't civilians. They these these folks, they were actually soldiers. Right. Well, I'm still waiting because I, I think you guys might have talked about it last week when I wasn't here, but I'm still waiting to see how they play out this whole like one world open borders thing. Cause I was like, there's a lot of like real life world concepts, I think, that are getting kind of annoyingly mixed together. And I was like, the last thing I want people is walking away with like good, bad connotations on a, a lot of topics that are obviously you know, extremely nuanced in certain ways. I'll say one last thing. I think people will be fine or viewers will be fine. They watched Killmonger on Black Panther, who was a very complex villain who made a lot of good points and nobody walked away saying, you know, maybe that guy, like, I'm going to, I'm going to back him and his agenda. So I'm not what? too worried about it. A lot it. of people did that. <laughs> a lot of people because did. disney supports terrorism mark and i did post post exit surveys on the movie and at least oh, yeah, yeah. 86 percent of people who already wanted to be killmonger said i agree with killmonger no i i'm not there was quite a lot of people uh, on reddit that were like he was right da, 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 da. and you're like I guess bill is in his name Okay, let's move on. Monger is in this name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're getting off the tracks. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, 
uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and all the turtleneck sweaters that appear. Uh, but for now, let's move on to some of the issues. Kalen. Great. So we had four issues that came out, uh, two in the X-World, Reign of X, and two finishing up the long-awaited King and Black storyline. So we'll start with the King and Black stuff first. Um, so we've got, um, you know, the, the thrilling conclusion here. Uh, Donny Cates wrote both issues. Uh, Iban, uh, Ivan Coelho drew the issue of Venom, Venom number 34. Ryan Stegman uh, illustrated uh, the finale for Killin', uh, uh, King in Black. Excuse me, I'm going to call him Killin' Black. So we find out that Eddie Brock uh, gets the Enigma Force, a.k.a. Captain Universe, a.k.a. the God of Light, to help him defeat Null. And defeat him he does. Plus he exercises the evil out of his son, Dylan. And just like Paul McCartney, Eddie dons a new pair of wings and becomes the new King in Black. And also we find out that Flash Thompson is actually going to be coming back. Back from the Dead. So a few questions for all of y'all. What did you guys think of the conclusion uh, and, you know, the overall storyline? I mean, we've been reading this, I feel like, for months. Ryan? Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, I think this is how you do... uh, Marvel has this problem. DC has this problem. Most companies just have this problem of, like, events become too much. They don't become personalized whatsoever. So I think they did a good job of bringing it back to its center, which was this main character. And I really liked it. Um, it was still boombastic. Um, literally, the world was covered in fucking weird Venom goo-ass stuff. And li- it just, it, it felt like a complete story. And you were happy for the heroes at the end. I, I thought it was a good crossover. I think they did a great job of it, honestly. Yeah, I know we, some people are going to get somewhat negative on it, but not horribly. Um, it, it, Marvel does, I mean, I always like a crossover happening, but as soon as it happens at the end, I'm like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> and, and I was literally looking right now, every single um, crossover since 2005 has been like that reaction or worse for me. And I yeah. think this might be the best um, reaction I have for it. I think it's partially because of the necessary, how necessary it was to read a Venom at the same time. Like this was a, what? This was a five issue miniseries, but it was a 10 issue miniseries. Right. And yeah. if it had just been that five issue miniseries, I don't think it would have been that great. But you know, the fact that we got all the personal stuff, except for that one issue, we just had a whole episode issue of a falling man. Um, I thought this was well done. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, good. No, just real quick. The one gay ass crime that they did was like, things will never be the same again. And I was like, okay, bitch. Like, yeah, it will be. Yeah, it will be. Gay ass crime? See in two weeks, no one will remember this. (laughs) It is uh, annoying to see that the end result is now you've, you've beheaded the king in black, which makes you the king in black. And it's like, guys, didn't I know you're a hive mind, but like, have you thought about some form of democracy or something? <laughs> Why are you going back to the same well? It obviously doesn't, you know, work out for you. Use of relationships, yeah. Kalen. Yeah, I think they all watched the end of Game of Thrones and they realized, oh, when Samuel Tarley suggested uh, they do a democracy, they're like, no, 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 we're going to keep the monarchy going. Uh, I will say, though, that uh, this did remind me a lot of the way that the MCU worked and how it culminated, at least in phases one through three, of Infinity War and Endgame. 
even to the point where like uh, I mentioned on our Slack channel, like how when Steve Rogers like picks up Mjolnir to fight Thanos, it's such a wonderful earned moment. Everyone in the theater, regardless of where you were, started cheering. And it's because we had basically 10 years worth of movies leading up to that point. Um, and, you know, uh, Donny Cates has been writing Venom for three years, almost four years, not quite as long as the MCU has been going, but, uh, you know, has built up these moments. Null's always been in the background. And then when you have that moment when you've got the God-infused Venom, the whatever it's called, the Enigma Force Venom, and then he picks up Mjolnir and he gets Silver Surfer's sword, which is actually a surfboard, um, and he combines into that giant battle axe. It's such a ridiculous moment, but I was there for it because it felt earned. And that's why like, like crossovers, when they're good, they work because you've, you've, uh, writers have put in the time to get there. When they're bad, it's just, it just feels like, like these moments come out of nowhere and they're just cool for cool's sake. Adam? Before I give my opinion, I did want to know a little bit more because I, what the fuck is the Enigma Force? Is that something that like you all are very well aware of? Elevator pitch it to me, Kalen. It's basically uh, the, it's Captain Universe, which is this like, like cosmic force of, of good or, or of light, essentially. And Clark reminded me that, because I thought it was a deus ex machina at the end of issue four of uh, King and Black, mm -hmm. uh, but it was actually in that one shot that we read that had that guy Wraith, the, uh, oh. like the space cowboy guy, mm -hmm. uh, which was written by Donny Cates. So I went back and reread that. And so um, uh, when Wraith finds out about Null, uh, he also mentions like a God of light. He comes to earth to warn right. uh, Eddie Brock that like, he's this is coming for you. And I don't mean null. There, there right. is another. It's a very, it's very much like you know Yoda and Obi Wan Kenobi <laughs> during Empire Strikes Back. No, there is another. You know. Uh, okay, that makes sense. And like that wasn't gonna fully. If I, I figured, I was like, there's got to be some a little bit of plot. But I do like that it was included. I just forgot about it in the actual kind of like build up for the series. I'm definitely in agreement with Clark that it's just I always want to be excited, and I guess for some reason. It's, maybe it's because there's just so many tie-ins. Like Ten of Swords definitely has uh, spoiled me for crossovers because I'm like 20 plus issues, and we've talked about this before. It's like 20 plus issues, great story. The uh, but I do agree that I enjoyed it. Like I think it's it's expertly handled for the kind of crossover it is. The one thing that I think that's sitting on my brain that I I'm getting kind of bored of is that Thor is a god, Eddie is a god. Star-Lord has become a god. Like, I'm, it's what I liked about Marvel, and I know Marvel's big kind of competitive edge for a while was that it told very human stories with characters that had things broken about them. And like, I think many of these characters still do. It just gets exhausting for me where everyone just has the power to destroy worlds. Um, and so it's, it's more just a repetitive thing I'm seeing right now that I'm, that I'm exhausted by. But it's not, if like individually, each of the storylines all make sense and are earned. I'm just sort of like a little fatigued on this. We got to power everybody up to level 13 out of 10 because there's nowhere else to really go with some of this kind of content characters and mega events. Uh, Kayla? One quick question I'll ask all of you. Would y'all have preferred to see this in the actual Venom title versus a miniseries? Always. That's always the answer is yes, yes. Yeah. I, I they, they only do this for promotion. You know that. 
Kalen. Like, it, this would be so much better in his main series. And then every X-Men, every Avenger shows up. They only do this for one purpose. But yes, absolutely. I don't feel like the stakes w- w- would be big. Um, they'd be too small in a comic. We wouldn't have the number of uh, characters that you could say, like, Cyclops shows up. That's shocking for, like, a page. Versus they they could just do it, though. They could just fucking do it, right? No, they couldn't just do it. They wouldn't. They would have to do ten issues of this. It wouldn't have fit well with all the stuff going on in Venom's mind at the same time, or the stuff in like whatever version of Strange Hell it would be. There's way it was that they needed to be unrelated but totally related in order to connect on two different levels. They wouldn't have been able to do all these levels on a, a miniseries just inside just inside of his own series. It would have to be an entirely new concept or or structure in order to make it into a normal series. Adam, I was gonna say my my bigger. I think it would have. I and I also I to your point though. I think it would have been better if the scale was smaller because just like you were saying, Brent, it's now like well, or everybody was saying it's like here we go again. The world has changed forever. We just did that during Empire, and we just did like it's like there's too many things that are cataclysmically shocking the six one six universe or this Earth. Uh, and so I think if it was a smaller scale or they at least stopped it before the mass invasion, it might've paid off because the emotional moments between Null and Eddie are great. Um, but I, yeah, I needed a smaller story, I think. So I would, would have liked it to be more encapsulated inside of Venom. Caleb? I normally, I think I would have wanted this in, in the regular Venom storyline, but to Clark's point, I think the event allowed there to be like sort of like supplementary and ancillary titles. We read some of them, not all of them. And I don't think like Thunderbolts would have existed without it being an event. And we fucking love that. So um, sometimes, you know, you need that kind of big bombastic storyline to tell these like cool little stories that are a little off the beaten path. Brian? Here's the pitch. People are tired of mega events on 616 Earth. They decide to fucking leave Earth and go to the Kree Empire. There's some some sort of fucking other place. Like, that is what, like, damage control should be of people being like, fuck this. I'm, <laughs> I'm over this shit. Let <laughs> me fucking leave. Because I don't, like, I just want to go to my, like, job. <laughs> and be mediocre at it. How do you like, do anything in New York City in the 616? It's like impossible. You like walk your dog and you're both dead within seconds because of the 17 <laughs> cataclysmic events currently coinciding at the same time. And they're like, oh, Mystique got superpowers again. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. Wait, Kale, what do you wait think? Till- well, wait till you see what the apartment prices in New York uh, in the Marvel <laughs> Universe are. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, You'll want to go off world otherwise anyway. Yeah. <laughs> don't you realize that now the people who live in the 616 universe are monsters? <laughs> After <laughs> yeah. Civil War, where they're all just pieces of shit, just trying to kill all superheroes and ruin oh their lives? No, fuck, fuck the 616 humans. Yeah, they're, it's a purge world. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the Reign of X books. We have two this week, uh, Excalibur number 20 by Teeny Howard and Marcus Toe, and Marauders number 19 by Jerry Dugan and Stefano Casali. So real quick recaps, Betsy is back and Malice has become a reluctant citizen of Krakoa. Callisto recruits the Morlocks to help fight off the Reavers because uh, the Marauders can't do it because of diplomatic reasons. 
Um, and the, it's because the Reavers have been terrorizing uh, Lowtown, which has now been renamed Mutie Town. And in both books, everyone's getting ready for the Hellfire Gala. So what do you guys think of uh, both books? Brent? So uh, I want to talk just about Exc Excalibur for a second. The, the thing about like Betsy and Quanon kind of splitting it like that I, I thought was smart initially was that they didn't immediately have some interaction, but it started to feel like the interaction that they should have had was just being pushed back further and further. And it was just kind of weird that they're both in the same space and none of us get to really see how they resolve it. Like they needed to have something, some, some kind of uh, conversation, even if it wasn't as developed. I really liked this issue of Excalibur because it felt like, okay, now these characters are existing in the same space. They've got distinct enough voices to where I feel like they're both understanding of trauma, what they went through and kind of seeing someone else have experienced something similar and wanting to shepherd that person through that you kind of had this nice balance between their different personas. Um, and it just felt like a, a fuller issue that had more time to breathe for these characters than I think a lot of, Teeny Howard's other issues that often are rushed by very particular plot elements. Clark? I feel like the other issues are just either smashed up and boring based on the fact that these characters she clearly doesn't want to write. And mm -hmm. they just shove those characters in there just to waste our time. This was an excellent issue, as was the issue where they went to, uh, what, Otherworld and, and dealing with um, Jamie Braddock and everything. It, she yeah. does so well when it's not about the fucking team. And I absolutely love this series. I mean, I, I, I just said I absolutely love this series. Uh, in, in, theory, in theory, I absolutely love this series. It's just the practice where she just shoves in a bunch of unimportant characters that really just ruins it for moments. Kaylin. I think Ryan had his hand up first. So, Ryan. Sorry. No, I, I was just going to agree. Like, uh, this, this is better. Like, um, Psylocke should be on the cast of this. I know she works yeah. really well in Hellions, but I think I reiterated this last week, like, or, uh, like, I, she should be on this cast. A lot of people online are uncomfortable with the situation between Psylocke and Betsy. So, like, I think this helps it, and seeing them work together really does make you feel a lot better. And Betsy is still the worst because even still she's like do you want these outfits i used to wear your body and wear these <laughs> these fit you well oh uh, well will these fit you you betsy you just came back from the dead and you're gonna be like this okay <laughs> okay all right there, girl okay there should be the real housewives like like that rattlesnake sound of like oh she's gonna start this drama yeah I can't, I can't fit into any of this, but I know you can. <laughs> How very dare you? But um, another thing that excels in this issue is the backstory of Malice. We never really yeah. knew a lot of it. Like, it's so interesting. And also, she just sort of like, a, <laughs> she just listened to Panic at the Disco a lot. Like, I sort of love <laughs> that that's her backstory. It's, a, it's super interesting. Um, I really liked it. This is the best issue of Excalibur that I've read in a long time. I, I loved it. It was so good. Kalen, what do you think? Yeah, no, I completely agree with what y'all have said. And I almost wish that Excalibur would become kind of more like New Mutants. And it's not really about a team. 
It's more about a concept. And so the concept of magic in Krakoa vis-a-vis uh, -vis other worlds, rather than it being like, you know, like the Hellions or Marauders or, and even sometimes Marauders doesn't feel like a full book. So total agreement. Since you mentioned Malice, uh, I was also very excited to get her backstory. She's been around with the X-Books for decades. Um, and I really love the way both Quanon and Betsy dealt with her. Because you had both Professor X and Magneto basically like, she comes back, we put her in a body, we're going to put her in the pit with Sabretooth. That's where she belongs. And they're like, no, we're going to find a diplomatic solution. And it just made me so so happy that we don't have, um, you know, like resolutions where they're just fighting it out uh, to, to get to, to, to get to their point. It's, it's, it's so good. Adam. Yeah, no, I, I agree across the board. I love this issue. Uh, I would say, um, what's her, Betsy's like strange, you like British idioms aside, she started saying darling a lot, which I don't think I've seen the entire run, which I thought was really surprising, but their chemistry works really well together. I think Brent, exactly what you said, makes a ton of sense of like, this just kind of the conversation that should have happened if Teeny wasn't forced to write 12 X number of issues just to build up to the 10 of swords kind of crossover. So I think they're finally being able to get to a lot of the content they wanted to cover. And uh, yeah, the characterization overall, again, except for our, I always uh, kind of harp on Rogue and Gambit, but I'm like the, the voices and the actions are just not there for them. But even even with Betsy, I find that uh, the characterization is finally landing. And I just, I love Psylocke. And it's funny because obviously we, she started kind of as a cipher from Fallen Angels, but it's really, it's really in interesting. Uh, of what we're we're seeing and hearing from them. I did want to switch gears a little bit to talk about Marauders because up until when they introduced or when the, uh, you know, Morlocks came and got really involved, that's when I really loved the issue. I, I had a similar problem with, that I normally have with Excalibur in Marauders of, I just really didn't like Iceman and Pyro together. I don't think it's because they haven't done anything with them the entire like book or the run. So I'm like, what is the point of this? This feels very off. I'm not really caring. Uh, so it was a decent issue overall, particularly for the Morlocks, you know, fight back and save Muty Town. Um, but, and, and the writing was really strong there, but I just wasn't buying a lot of the rest of the content for some reason. It felt very exposition-y and just random jokes for the for joke's sake. Clark? Clark? All right, I've got one point um, for each. Um, I forgot that I just don't, I didn't really like Malice. I don't like a petulant child at all. And I hate a petulant child that takes control of Polaris for um, years <laughs> worth of comics. Like that pissed me off so hard. I, if Malice says to be somebody, give me a, com like a commanding straight up amazing bitch, not some stupid wiener kid. Um, and then Marauders, I, I'm only mentioning because you talked about it, the Iceman and um, Pyro thing where they, they talk about the big thing they do, but never actually show it. They're like, wow, their team up is amazing. And then we don't see the fucking thing is so stupid and enjoyable at the same time. I could only think that they made a giant dick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, in my head, I just want to call it a dong of fire and ice. But uh, that's only because I hate myself. <laughs> a schlong of fire and ice. Yes. Schlong of fire and ice. Uh, no, I, okay, so Marauders through and through, I just love the book so much because you know, them having to follow, like, the Krakoan, like, Madripoor, like, diplomatic stuff, like, and they can't get directly involved. Right. Like, Callisto, what a badass. She's like, hey, I'll go deal with this in Arizona. All you got to do is, like, put the plant over here somewhere in Lowtown. 
I'll take care of it. You know, otherwise everything you work for is just going to go up belly up, you know, uh, Kate going in, you know, like a boss into the water, uh, and like planning it there. I loved it. I love that. Like she, you showed her out of breath and I like the interaction between Bobby and Pyro. Uh, we've seen a little bit of it already in like the 19 issues, the Marauders, but like, even if we hadn't, that's like, these guys are on a team. They're going to have some weird ass camaraderie. It's like, you've heard of the five. Well, now you've heard of the two. Like, it's so fucking stupid, but it completely works with the tone of the book. Like, nothing about it seemed at all out of place. And I remember, like, and also just really quickly on the Morlocks, I, like, I was so happy to see certain Morlocks we haven't seen in years, including, I can never remember her name, but she's Bliff. dressed like Jean Grey. Bliss! Uh, Bliss, Bliss, Bliss. Bliss. Dressed like Jean Grey, has that disgusting ass thing coming out of her mouth. <laughs> I love her so fucking much. Bliss is great. Yeah, I love her so much. She uh, so so she was one of the people that survived M Day, mm -hmm. and like she like barely got any characterization. But for this this comic to just like be like the weird thing coming out of her fucking mouth, her tongue, um, has become a new character. I'm I'm all here for that. Like, for, get give that give that tongue status on Krakoa. Like, I it's so fucking strange. I love it. I was going to quickly say what really works for me too with the Morlocks was the fact that like if it was the Marauders versus those like generic ass people that turned into like oh not alternative humans or whatever we call them like the people that they're allowed to kill I just thought it was like so fun the, the whole fight was really well written well done as opposed to just being like a standard like action battle I thought it was hilarious and, and really enjoyable all right anything else on these uh reign of x books it's a news flash oh. it's all the news that's fit to brent okay so <laughs> in addition to recent new titles like children of the atom by vita ayala and bernard chang way of x by c spurrier and bob quinn and x corp by teeny howard and alberto foch marvel <laughs> is going to launch three new titles post the hellfire gala the first of which is simply titled x-men It'll be by Jerry Dugan and Pepe Larraz. The second is called Classified by Leah Williams and Valerio Shiti. Gosh, I'm terrible with names. And the third That's is right. Unknown. Um, no, but it, no, Brian. It, mm -hmm. no, it's, uh, and then uh, John, it's by Jonathan Hickman and some hidden specific name. What do you guys think it is? What do you guys want it to be? I thought you were going to uh, pronounce redacted wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Read the yeah, yeah. Redacted. Kaylin. So um, clearly X-Men is becoming like uh, like a team book post Hellfire Gala, unlike the sort of like anthology book that Hickman's been writing. So uh, at first I was like, oh, Hickman's not going to write it. But then I was like, you know, Jerry Dugan knows how to write a team book really well. He's doing, mm -hmm. doing a great job with Marauders. And the fact that Pepe Larraz is coming back to do art, just amazing. So what makes me think the Jonathan Hickman book, which is a question mark and the artist is redacted, I think it's the book about Moira. Uh, mm. I think that's because they, they, they rumored that in during uh, when Dawn of X began as a potential book that would be coming up. Uh, and then the book by Leah Williams and Valeria Shitty. I God, I can't even tell. I don't even fucking know. And the only thing I'm a little sad about is Valeria Shitty has been the artist on Sword, which means that he's leaving to go to this new book. And that makes me sad because he's doing fucking killer work on Sword. 
And now, based Brian. on the oh, sorry, based on the font of um, the regular stuff underneath the redacted for the uh, second classified one with by Leah Williams, basically everyone saw seen it. Basically, the top say the trial. So mm. it's I mean, um, most likely it would be the trial of Scarlet Witch. I don't know who else it would be. They bring Sabretooth mm. back up and give him a trial after the fact. Now that's not <laughs> definitely what it's called, but based on the the tops, of the, you can definitely know what an A is because the only thing that has like the sharp, yeah, the sharp, not not sharp, but like you know, anyways, triangular top. Um, so and then with I, why would you redact a um artist's name? Artist is it so incredibly important, or is the name important enough that it connects to what the the story's about like if it was moira would just a, an, a, a writer that just happens to be scottish like ruin the reveal or is it just a super super superstar artist it's probably joss whedon he was just creating it and they had to like redact it and then like change it last minute you know what i mean because you can also see the top of that name and the letters don't make any sense and what are the letters do you think? It's Clark? like, it, oh shit, let me see. I was doing some bits. Um, it, it looks like it's probably A-R-T-I-C or A-R-T-I-S, but we're not sure. Or in, it might just be artist. It's an artist. It might just be artist. Wow, you saw that mystery. Clark, do you think they just maybe wrote artist? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they just wrote artist. <laughs> it could just be, it could be the famous artist Artsy Artso. <laughs> Oh my Caleb. God, that's good. Caleb. So when uh, Clark was saying, you know, the trial of, I was thinking, well, the mutants are trying to conquer the business world in X-Core. They've got the magic world in Excalibur. They've got, you know, piracy and marauders. Oh my God, there's going to be a new book called The Practics. And it's just an X at the end. <laughs> and it's a bunch of like mutant lawyers. <laughs> so moving on, um, Donnie. What? Do you have something else, Clark? I was just going to say Ryan turned his camera off after that joke. Um, anyways, right so Donny Cates has announced that he will be writing a new title that he says he's obsessed with, and it's, quote, bonkers. Uh, Kate has already, uh, Kate's already has a contract to write Thor, which he's been, he's written Thanos, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Doctor Strange. My question is, can he be stopped before he writes every character in the Marvel Universe? And what title do you think this will be, uh, Clark? This is definitely the character Bonkers from Disney Afternoon. The police, the police cat. This is hundred percent. They're bringing the police cat into yeah continuity. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't top that, but um, I will say that I originally thought it was Moon Knight, and because of the use of bonkers, which is a pejorative of somebody who's got you know mental issues, because Mark Spector has you know multiple personality disorder. But we know that he's not going to be doing that book. Another writer will be, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. That would also be horribly uh, problematic if that's what he was using <laughs> to advertise the issue. But but I so I think this is a like a b-list or a c-list character that maybe only clark remembers maybe ryan remembers but he could be writing fool killer uh which was a like uh like a crazy ass vigilante that had like a few miniseries in the 80s and 90s and i'm like i can see kate's doing something really like off the wall like truly bonkers and fool killer could be something like that uh 
Right. So this is a question to answer to your thing. Um, oh, okay. Didn't they just kill Fool Killer off, Fool Killer off in um, the Thunderbolts we just saw? Uh, it could be a new one. I don't know. Maybe. I I was thinking it's maybe it's like slapstick or something like that. Yeah. Because that bitch is crazy, and that like they flushed him out a few years ago. Like that might actually be super fun. What do you He's think? He's also Jay? just aggressive as hell. Yeah, yeah. he will. Literally beat you with a customized cartoon hammer at all times. Yeah, it's gorgeous. the only other. The only other thought I also had was that he would start writing Blade, because they are going to elevate Blade in the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. The movie should be coming out in the next couple of years. So, um, and he hasn't had a title in a while. And like Kate's knows how to do like really dark shit. So, well, I was going to say Bonkers that also is so specific. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was gonna say Blade would work because they also just featured him right at the end of uh, King and Black as well. For sure, I like that scene a lot. But he's not black or uh, British, so it just seems weird for him to be writing that character. Yeah, how, yeah, how dare him? <laughs> well, worst choices have been made. Um, Marvel's <laughs> Marvel Comics editor in chief, CB Sablewski. I'm sorry if I pronounced that name wrong at this point. <laughs> Shablopsky, yes, announced there will be a forthcoming Moon Knight series. Uh, we don't know when it'll come out, if it will have any relationship with the show as a production, uh, because that's been delayed. And I actually just learned today that Oscar Isaacs hasn't even been officially confirmed by oh. Disney to play the He's lead role. He's in. He's pro oh, sorry, contra contract boy. Okay. Uh, so what do you want to see in this, um, given that most recently uh, Moon Knight wielded the power of the Phoenix Force to fight the Avengers in the Age of Khonshu storyline? Caleb. So I'm not sure what I want to see in it, but I do believe, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but Jed McKay is supposed to be writing the series. He wrote the uh, Black Cat Black series Cat. that we were reading along with uh, King and mm -hmm. Black. So he's, he's a pretty good writer. Um, with Moon Knight specifically, like I love the character mostly because of the visual and I like his backstory, but I find myself getting kind of bored into his run with the exception, uh, even though like he is a canceled individual, but Warren Ellis uh, and Declan Shalvey's run uh, maybe about four or five years ago where he was just the guy in like the all white business suit Moon Knight. Like I thought that was a fantastic run uh but other than that moon knight even like when jeff lemire or like other great writers write him i find myself getting kind of bored with the storylines well, i know what i don't want to see i don't want to see moon knight wielding the power of the phoenix force to fight the avengers because <laughs> <laughs> it's like i just want to see uh i think again bringing it back to like smaller human stories and especially because we're, we've still got the um what was it called? The Defenders uh, kind of in limbo. I think if they are going to tie it to the sh show in some capacity or probably reset and parallel the characters, which I think does make sense. I'm sure there's like good tie-ins. I know they've done that with Guardians of the Galaxy and otherwise. I would like to see him be more of that street vigilante type because we don't really have a lot of vigilanteism uh, or especially mystic vigilanteism at, in the MCU. So I, I'd like them to match them up. And I do think there's also a good opportunity to like reset on Moon Knight and make people understand without like overwhelming us with, you know, tons of history uh, when, when this is going to be such a big marketable uh, character very shortly. Yeah. I'm always, I've always been trying to find a reason to care 
about him or about the series as a whole. So many times it just goes back to the same well of just like, it cons you bad now. I must fight the person, like the spirit who gave me powers, whatever the fuck. And it's just, it's so many times. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Ryan. Yeah, I would agree. Like it's, um, I've read a bunch of those series over the years and they're compelling enough, but it seems like probably Marvel's going to try to do maybe a Batman with a little bit more of an edge is what it kind of feels like. And then eventually introduce him to the greater MCU. But otherwise I don't, eh, meh. We all worship old cats and Egyptian things. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, guys? Yeah, okay, you, you, you were just agreeing with me on this. What do you have to think? <laughs> yeah. Kalen. I, I wouldn't do this right now, but I think we should have a, a pitch game, pitch a Moon Knight comic. How would you do it? What would be the storyline? I, I can tell you my pitch right now. It's hardcore penetrative sex. Oh, all I like day, that. Oh, I all like the that. time. That's it. I like that. Oh, he all just right. takes his like pants off and he just moons you. Got it. So it looks like Warner Media will go back to releasing its films in theaters exclusively. Uh, starting in 2022, The Batman will likely be one of the movies released only in theaters and not simultaneously on HBO Max. Possibly The Suicide Squad as well, if it gets a delayed release. Although right now it's scheduled to come out August 2021. Was this idea always as dumb as it was confusing? Adam. Yes. <laughs> right. Correct answer. Moving on, the director of Godzilla vs. Kong, Adam Wingard, will be making a Thundercats movie, but he said he doesn't want to do a CGI in the same way as the infamous Cats movie was. Uh, he said he wants it to be a cartoon, but he wants it to, quote, he wants to do a movie that you've never seen before, a hybrid CGI film that is a hyper-real look and somehow bridges the gap between cartoon and CGI. That's the starting point. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> you did, did you not move your Will, body like that when you're you saying that? No. Will this, that's, that's the way he did it. I was doing a great acting. Uh, will this movie also be a failure uh, because it doesn't feature CGI cat buttholes? What on earth could it possibly look like? Uh, Clark, I'll start with you. With the rest of that article, he basically talks about how he's been wanting to write them since he was in 10th grade and like basically ruined his 10th grade life because all he was doing was writing uh, fan fiction or a movie of this um so i do not think this is going to be bad at all and i do not need to see anything that looks like cats i'm very pleased that he <laughs> notes that and thinks it's garbage also okay yeah. yeah i think this is going to be bad but in a completely different way from cats uh i i i i don't think this can only really work in animated form and i just think everybody's memories of thundercats is better than the actual show it's because we were all the right age when the show came out. It was gay as fuck. We loved it. They looked cool. They moved cool. They had cool villains. But look, nostalgia is just best left in the past here. But, but Kaylin, why have a cartoon show when you could have a hybrid CGI film that has a hyper real look and somehow bridges the gap between cartoon and CGI? It's the shittiest thing <laughs> you, I've ever heard someone say describing what they want their show to You son like. of a bitch. You, you son of a bitch I'm in. <laughs> Damn, I was. I just watched it and I still enjoyed it. It's it wasn't fun. a nostalgia thing for me, you piece of shit. Ryan. <laughs> this, this director needs to shut the fuck up until he sees Space Jam, is what I think, honestly. 
I yeah. think he's maybe explaining something that's already going to come out. And right. also, did you see all those Easter eggs that came out recently? <laughs> Do it yourself in the face, everyone. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Netflix just gained exclusive rights to Sony's theatrical releases. Uh, they signed a multi-year first pay window licensing deal uh, that starts in 2022. So the deal won't include Spider-Man No Way Home and Venom Let There Be Carnage, which are both supposed to be coming out this year. But it does include Morbius, uh, Uncharted, and the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, which are all, and then any future Spider-Man and Venom films um, after 2022. Um, these uh, these deals are really heating up, you know? Ryan, you've got something. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I didn't write a question uh, for that. I failed to write a question for that one. <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny because... It, it's literally like Sony and Disney were just trying to work out a deal, trying to figure it out. And Sony, at the end of the day, was like, you know what? We worked all this, like, a Spider-Man stuff out. Fuck you guys. We're not going to have it on Disney+. Plus. Fuck you. No. Just to just, just shit in their uh, <laughs> porridge or whatever a term yeah. is that people use. You know what I mean? Shit in the porridge. <laughs> Adam. It's or something is, you know? <laughs> Real shitting in the porridge. I, I concur. I mean, I do think it's a smart business decision for Sony because obviously they're getting much more of a cut than it's showing yeah. up on Disney. But it is obviously terrible for consumers because now everyone's just going to be split across the world. Um, but Quite literally. Uh, good for Netflix. Now, because I'm a genius, I said this would happen months ago because I was talking about how Sony does not, is the only like major that doesn't have a uh, platform. Mm -hmm. And that they're not going to go out against dealing with HBO because of Warner Brothers or Disney because of all of the goings on there. So Netflix was the real only other option. So, ha. Got him. Got him. Yeah. You shit in there. I think you're randomly yeah. about the screen. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, now comes the segment in our show that we often call Clark's Got Something. Watch yeah. out. So here's that segment. Clark's got something. Watch out. I should have switched the last two news reports because this is about Thundercats, but only somewhat. So I have a question and I'll answer it for myself in a minute. But you know how when you're a kid and you really like a cartoon character and you don't know why until you grow up and you realize the, oh, I wanted to fuck that cartoon character. <laughs> well, yeah. the reason I bring this up is not because of Lionel. I always thought he was overhyped. As a child, I was like, I don't want to fuck Lionel. No. I was always interested in Tigra. He was a very reasonable, not too bulky guy who seemed like a nice dude. And so I, I guess in the, in the present day, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's what I like. Not too bulked up, not too crazy, decent man. But then also, I, like, I also had like a huge crush on Fred from Scooby-Doo and didn't realize that. Because I guess I just like a corn-fed, like, just douche also. Is this the Brent, story? Oh, oh, Kaylin was next. Excuse me, Kaylin. Is there a question? There wasn't a question, but all your hands are raised, so I think you know what the question is. So you the know, question I'm is, who did you who did you yeah. retroactively have a crush on? So <laughs> for me, well, who you had a crush on? Which cartoon character? Animated. So for me, yes, car cartoon. Um, so for me, it was there was a show I watched as a kid called The Mysterious Cities of Gold, which was a French cartoon that was produced in Japan. It was all about like the conquistadors coming to the new world 
And I was like six or seven when the show came out. And there was a like a teenage character named Esteban. He was like the main character. And I would always be drawn to him. And it wasn't until like I came out, I realized, oh, I actually had a crush on him like retroactively. Like when I was like super young, I had a crush on this animated character. Um, so it just, I was like, oh, okay. That was like my first real ever crush. Cause you know, before that I never really thought about, you know, boys or girls or anything like that. So, um, yeah, but I will just say quickly on Thundercats. Um, I did have the action figure for Panthro and he was a leather daddy. <laughs> so any, anybody who says Panthro, I'm, I'm not mad about that. That's stuck with you. You always love leather daddies to this day. <laughs> there, that's, that's me. Yeah, I, didn't, right. uh, I, I don't have a real answer to your question, Clark, so I'll just say Goku. But uh, <laughs> I think there's, there's another way of Good thinking choice. about like, uh, like when you like a character that you then realize you're gay because you like that character. And in Thundercats, it's Chitara. You're just yeah. like, oh, this kind of crazy wild bitch. And you're like, you, <laughs> you're like, I only like that character because I'm homosexual. And then the other one in that show is Snarf, because you realize there's a very there's a very high chance you could become that catty queen. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Could. Guys, could. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ryan, where are you? And what do you think? Um, I have a few. Um, so uh Gambit back in the day from the animated series really did it for me. Not so much now, because you know, you grow and you change. But uh, Cocoam from Pocahontas. Um, and then Wait, is also... that the raccoon? No, no, no. That's not the raccoon. That's the man. It's the tree. That's the oh. man. <laughs> well, hey, honestly, I don't know. Still the raccoon, too. And then, and then also Batman from the older Batman animated series. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Right, right. Bruce Wayne's you you didn't even know what was going under on under there, and I think it inner like when it became more live action, and we saw like some of the other versions of it, like later. I was like, I'm just attracted to that man. I don't even think it's, I like the Batman like stories that much, but I was like, bitch, get in me. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's Kevin it's Kevin Conroy's voice to be honest. Yes. He's got a sexy ass voice. Yeah, yes. well, he is said, gay. Caleb. He's um, gay too. So, oh, oh, I, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Good for him. Uh, Good for uh, him. Good for him. I don't think I had anything that like I really connected with like in that way, but I did always find. Uh, all the characters on Cowboy Bebop, with the exception of Ed, because they're uh, a minor, I always thought they were all so hot and fun and attractive, and I wanted to hang out with them. God, <laughs> so I wanted to have sex with that fucking dog so bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm definitely <laughs> at the top of the list. He's smart enough. He's smarter than the rest of the cat. Yeah. So I'm a real uh, sapiosexual, so I go okay. straight for the world's smartest dog. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kaylin. Um, so when I first moved to the United States as a kid, the first like animated show that I really got into was He-Man. And like, I would, even though it's super sexualized now, retrospectively, I, I wasn't, I never thought about it that way. And I never had a crush on anybody, but on my seventh birthday, somebody got me as a gift, the action figure for a character named Fisto. <laughs> oh, Fisto. Yeah, right. He right. had a giant metal fist. 
and like a big old daddy beard and like like a breastplate. And I tell people about it, like there is a character named Fisto. They're like, you made that up. That's some like, you know, that's some robot chicken nonsense. I was like, no, no, no. This character existed. Look him up. Like this was in like 19 whatever, 80 something Mattel toys. Like it's there. Does he, is he in your dreams or in your nightmares? Both. Oh God. Yeah. He's got like the tiniest (laughs) underwear as well. We need to do this with live action, like our uh, triggering live action stuff later, too, because there's yeah, a lot yeah. of Power Rangers that I fucking did it for me. Oh, yeah, for sure. We'll do that another day. Okay. What's going on now, Brent? All right. Well, that's Clark something. We watched it. Uh, all right. Let's go to the trailer park. We're going to give you the hottest of hot takes on the trailers that have come out over the past three weeks. So not really super new for all of them. Uh, Rick and Morty season five came out. It's got Voltron. It's got Namor. It's got gross dimension stuff. Kaylin, hot take. Uh, you you already said it. Voltron and Namor. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks great. I'm excited. It's very funny. I well, I was gonna say I like that the family is very involved in the entire preview because I do think all of their chemistry works really well together, and I like having all of them part of the cast. Totally agree. Um, I love this show kit because it can basically do whatever you want. Whatever thing you like, that's going to be in the show at some point. And we have six more seasons or whatever the fuck it is. Like, so whatever you like, it's going to happen. Yeah, even fucking Hellraiser. Hellraiser's in it this season. I'm so excited. I love it. All right. Uh, Then we got the last uh, Black Widow trailer before the movie comes out. Um, So we've gotten a better look at the Taskmaster and a reminder that Scar Joe died so that we may all live. Um... (laughs) What do you guys think of it? Ryan. Shit. Uh, oh, I wasn't raising my hand, but um, she oh. has risen. So thank you. Um, uh, yeah. Put it in me already. Like, Jesus Christ, Scarjo. Like, can I just see this already? I, I should have got it like two years ago. Um, yeah. I'm excited. Kaylin. This better be the best fucking movie ever because the anticipation uh, of it not being able to come out last year. Like, because if it's just okay, if it's like captain marvel good yeah people are gonna be like god damn it well said agreed right i will say the action scenes in this look really good yeah and we didn't talk about in winter and uh falcon and the winter soldier but one thing i'm really appreciating about uh marvel and the captain america portion of storyline is how good they're making their action and fight sequences you can see what people are doing it's clear it's not jump cuts and it looks cool as fucking shit Agreed. All right. Yep. Uh, we got a new Loki trailer, um, and uh, Loki's donked up the timeline just <laughs> as the Ancient One feared, and only Loki can set it back. Let's get some hot takes. Who's got hot takes? Kalen. Um, I am more excited every time I see a new trailer, and this trailer was no exception. <laughs> when we saw Loki as like the candidate running for president, I geeked the fuck out. Uh, I'm I'm loving that we're going to probably see a bunch of different iterations of of him like throughout the series so can't wait for june 11th yeah i i agree and i think the trailer even works for me because there's like a lot to go off of but there isn't a lot given away like it's just sort of like a oh that looks cool i'm excited um and i i do already immediately like the chemistry between owen wilson uh and loki as well um tom hiddleston the actual actor uh so i'm excited to see more ryan uh bitch this one is money WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you could tell they're like, okay, well, let, let's be cautious. 
And this one, they're just like, what a spaceship in the background. They're like, I don't give a fuck anymore. We have Tom Hiddleston. And I'm so excited. Give me money. I love it. I'm excited. I'm excited to see more of um, Wumi Mosaku, who is, um, you know, in Lovecraft Country, playing the only character. Yes. That yes. So I'm excited for her to show up again because she's great and everything. Great. For sure. I think, I think for me, the thing that was I was most excited about, other than the, the music choice that they've made for these trailers, which I think is so fast, fantastic, is that I think this trailer was funnier than the last one which to me is an indicator that there's going to be a lot of good humor throughout the show and they don't need to mine it the best parts for, um, you know, the trailers to get people hooked. Agreed. For sure. So we got uh, a trailer for the Suicide Squad. How petty was it for them to put a V in the title? And will this differentiate itself from Guardians of the Galaxy? Adam, I'll start with you. I found it fascinating because they actually released two trailers for the movie and one is basically just uh, cut it like it's Guardians of the Galaxy and the other is like, Cut it if it was like a funny version of a DC movie. And so it's like fascinating to see trailer editing because you're like, whoa, these seem like obviously the same story, but they're very different. Neither one of them super impressed me, I'll be honest. But I do think a lot of the uh, casting is great. Uh, so John Cena, it looks hilarious. Like the, um, I forget who's playing Killer Shark, but it's like, there's just like a lot of good Sylvester stuff that's going to be here. What's that? Sylvester Stallone. Yes, exactly. So and Idris Elba's amazing. He's so fucking hot. So I'm excited if only for to actually what you were saying, Ryan, I think, which is like, I really hope that they didn't show the best bits because I think it could be really good. It's I love Birds of Prey. So I'm like, I'm giving some faith to it, but, you know, it could be pretty run of the mill. Kalen? So uh, one of the trailers had the whole thing of like from the deranged and brilliant mind of James Gunn. So I like James Gunn. I think he's talented. I like the first two the, the the two guardians the galaxy movies but like i mean is he the best director out there i'm not really sure but it does tell me this is a weird bit of synchronicity because uh warner brothers is hyping the fuck out of who directs these films think about like how much they did put yeah. behind Zack snyder they're doing with james gunn it reminds me of dc comics in the 80s and mostly in the 90s when they featured the creators um on the cover and marvel was all about it's not about the creators, it's about the characters. And so the MCU, you know, clearly they've got a lot of competent people working on their shows and movies, uh, but nobody's like talking about, you know, who the director of Falcon the Winter Soldier is. It's just, it's just good. They're not, it's, this isn't like, you know, Brent Wingate's Falcon uh, and Winter Soldier, yeah. you know, so uh, I, like I just think it's- I like the sound of that. <laughs> I figured you would. So I just think that was a little a little interesting and it just reminded me of comics back in the day. I can Are confirm that it was annoyingly in both previews and it pissed me off both times because that description is ripe for just like, boy, is this going to let me down because I don't really believe in that. Clark? Yeah. I'm mostly excited because I want to see more of that weasel creature licking at a window. <laughs> <laughs> All I want to see. I was very excited. Well, they definitely, uh, in the second trailer, they did show that weasel creature walking in the kind of straightforward to the camera. And in the first trailer, I did not notice him at all, but he looks like the most fucked up janky cat I've ever seen. <laughs> like Rocky Raccoon, but like completely broken. I was excited also to hear that um, they, in the first trailer, there was a shot of King Shark ripping a guy in half. And uh, James Gunn confirmed that they used a lot of prosthetics and not just cgi to really 
hype up some of the gore. Mm. I was ready for you to say real people. Purple, yeah. 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 Live, live <laughs> DC fans who died gave their cadavers to us so that oh we God. could rip them up on screen. Uh, all right, last one. Uh, we got, we finally got a trailer for Space Jam, A New Legacy. Finally. Uh, LeBron, LeBron James gets a Ready Player One experience with everything Warner mm. Brothers owns, mm. including cartoons and CGI. Ryan, I think this is what the Thundercats could be, right? <laughs> I'd agree. I would agree. This is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen, and I cannot <laughs> wait to see it. I'm so pumped, y'all. This is going to be... I don't care what size those breasts are. Just show me the film already. You know what I mean? I'm so pumped. Kaylin. I love that you're... Mad at whatever, yeah. I love Damn. that you brought it back to big old titties that we were talking about at the very start of this podcast. But uh, this soundtrack has a lot to live up to because the soundtrack for the original Space Jam mm. was hella good. Um, you know, even our, even with R. Kelly and his utter, you know, disgustingness. But uh, I hope that they get some like really cool artists for it. I, I love that um, they have a cameo of a bunch of rapists. They have the, the, the droogs from Clockwork Orange in the background there. And I'm like, Jesus. those people raped a woman on screen in the movie. Why, 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 why are you having her? Why are you having them in there? This is awful. The thing they is, like, you don't think about it. Yeah. They also have the Night King there. Why? What? Why is okay. anything there? I don't know. I'm not looking forward to this. I will hate watch it with the best of them, but I. Such a such a horrible, horrible cash in. I hate everything about it. <laughs> Well, to see uh, um, Don Cheadle as a as an artificial intelligence uh, demanding to play basketball is, <laughs> is quite a sight. Brent, what is his name? What is the character's name? Oh, it's oh, it's Al Algorithm. <laughs> Algorithm. Algorithm. Oh God! It's absolutely Yikes. terrible, and we will watch it. All right, <laughs> this has been our episode. You can find us on Twitter. At Homo Superior X and Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. We've been Homo Superior and we'll shit in your porridge. And that's a guarantee. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.